Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Add a little twang on the end of it. Yeah, we, guys, we we took three takes to get that. I can't get Kate, it right today. <laughs> Kate's just not doing it like normal, but it's fine. We'll we'll accept this take. It's my southern ao ao ao. Thank you. That's Maybe what, I need to get on the back end. All we needed to do, and she could not handle it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's fine. Uh, now we're twenty five episodes in, and all of a sudden you forgot how to do it. Yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Ball Blast podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And you can find me at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. E-M. We just had, like, the best weekend ever, guys. We were at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. Met some awesome people. Awesome, awesome people. Such awesome people. We met a couple of our Patreon subscribers at... Uh, the the expo there. We were on the live podcast stage, which was awesome. Shout out to Stefan. Stout, yeah. Oh my gosh, Stefan was so cool. Who we've been pronouncing his name wrong. Yeah, Sorry, we've been calling Stephen. him Stephen. He's one of our Patreon subscribers, but we got to talk to him for a very long time. Awesome so discussion. Fun. Discussion, <laughs> not disgusting. Uh, he asked some amazing questions, like very engaging questions. Yes, uh, which is just a, a just a small snippet of what you will get over at Patreon because you get. Stefan's awesome questions all the time in yes. the group chat. You get an extra episode per week. So check that out at patreon.com slash ball blast. But for real though, Midwest Fantasy Football Expo 2020. It's already set up. It's already set up. What um, was it, August 16th? I believe August 16th. It's a Sunday. So everybody's gonna have to go to that, obviously. I think that's going to be uh, much bigger. Next year, mm-hmm. it's going to be its second year. We had such a great time. We had a, a fun time with the guys at the Back Row Fantasy Show, Dynasty Nerds, DLF. Uh, Ryan McDowell was there. Uh, we took a shot with Brad Evans. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Mar- I talked to Marcus Grant. Actually, we also took a shot with him as well. It was just a great weekend. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend next year, make sure it's on your calendars. Book your flights now, y'all. Y'all book it. Um, we have fantasy football night coming up, Michelle. We have exciting news. Yeah, we need everyone to get there. We need everybody to get there. You know why? Because our guest for today's episode is actually going to be doing the live podcast with us at fantasy football night at North Park Lounge in Lawrenceville, Pittsburgh. It's going to be so much fun. Tell them when it is. It's August 28th, next Wednesday. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. We're going to be doing live drafts. And special guest John Bauer of Superflexology is going to come and do the live podcast with us. And I think he has a pretty cool giveaway. He does. We will be giving away a signed Heath Miller jersey. Uh, check out our Twitter for details. You can find the details at the Superflexology Twitter. You know Pittsburgh's going to like that. Oh, we're so going to like that. I actually got a sneak preview of the jersey, and he actually signed it. He <laughs> Can we win this? Nope. 
Oh. I know. I'm not I'm gonna, going then. I'm going to sneak in in like a fake mustache, a fake blonde mustache <laughs> and a, a weird helmet. And I'm going to see if I can sneak in for, for an entry. So check out our Twitter for details on how to enter. Leave us those five-star reviews. We have so much fun fun coming up. I'm so excited. The season is two weeks away. I'm sweating. When you listen to this tomorrow, because you know you listen to it the first second it comes out on Thursday Obviously. morning, it's the regular season is literally two weeks away. I cannot handle that excitement. Bears-Packers opening night. I do wish it was a different game. I know. And we've talked about this before. I'm sort of excited for like a dominant defensive game. I think the Packers should look a lot better on defense. They're going up against Mitch Trubisky, who's at a terrible camp. It might be just a fun game to watch. Is it in Chicago or in Green Bay? It's in Chicago. See, I wish it was in Green Bay because Chicago's defense in Chicago is just so good. I wish it was at least in Green Bay so we could see some offense. I don't know. I think it's going to be an ugly game because, you know. What the a first, fantasy football fan you are. I know, but the first week, you know, the first couple weeks with offense can be ugly because they're still trying to get everything together. So mix in the Chicago's dominant defense, and I'm just not excited for fantasy in that game. And, you know, that's what we're all excited for here. Unless you're a Green Bay or Chicago fan, like I'm sure you're pumped, which I totally get. But, yeah, it'll be fine. If I get football, I get football, and I'll be beyond thrilled on Thursday. Amen, sister. Get it? Sister? Ha. Because we're sisters. Good one. Psych. All right. Um, Yeah, this has been been a great intro. Maybe we should get into actually talking about some news, Michelle. Yes, please. This just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. You know what has me pumped, Michelle? What? Given that the first regular NFL season game is two weeks away, we only have two more weeks to talk about all of these preseason games, all of the training camp buzz, and figure out what in the world is actually going to happen this season because we have been spinning our tails. If you guys are active on fantasy football Twitter, you know we're all grumpy. Oh, yeah. We're ready. We're sick of talking about the same things all the time. We're sick of making up all these narratives. Like, let's just have the season start, give us our answers, and then we can start, you know, yelling at each other about Real the football? answers. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of same news, Melvin Gordon, uh, still not into training camp. It's still expected to hold out into the regular season. We did hear that they're, uh, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler are supposed to Split snaps 50-50. Where, where's the earliest right now in this moment that you feel comfortable drafting Melvin Gordon? I'm not touching him before the six. Whew. I, I don't believe he will play. So At all? No. I mean, maybe he gets traded, but I'm not going to hold on to hope there. I, I think he might come back to play if he has to in week 10, but I don't expect this holdout to end anytime soon. So if I don't believe that, why am I taking him? The only reason I would take him in the six is just to risk it because... Risk it for the biscuit. Yeah, if, if you miss on a six-round pick, it's not a big deal. It, yeah, you you're can not survive. busting your yeah. whole lineup. Yeah, Are it, you- are you taking the same approach with Zeke, though? Because Zeke is still out. Zeke... Zeke, I believe, will play. 
I don't... What is the difference there for you? You know, they're in different situations. Gordon's in his fifth year. Zeke still has a full two years before his contract is even over. I do think Dallas gets an extension done. I think Zeke is a little bit more important to his team than Gordon is, and it's not necessarily a bash, bash on Gordon. It's that Zeke you know, is the leader of that Dallas Cowboys offense. I believe he he brings them wins. He does. Uh, every, he, they have more rushing yards, they have more rushing attempts, more rushing touchdowns, more offensive wins when Zeke is in the game. I think the thing working for him best is that he had that six-game suspension, and we saw that team crumble without him at the end of the year. I, I think that's working in his favor, don't you? I 100% agree that that does work in his favor. They look like two different teams, whereas Melvin Gordon, I think they're still uh, they're still a productive offense. I think Dallas Cowboys just overall, even the passing offense just really seems to suffer without Zeke. The only weird thing that came out this week, Jerry Jones came out after Tony Pollard came out, balled in preseason game two for the Dallas Cowboys, and made a joke saying, Zeke who? Yeah, and then he went on and explained that he has earned the right to joke with Zeke. And I know Zeke and his agent didn't find it funny. I, I think it's a non-story. I'm not too worried about it. Again, I, it doesn't mean I'm drafting Zeke like early. If I'm in the top of the first round and I have to draft before D- Zeke gets his deal, I'm not drafting him in those top six, seven picks, but later in the first round, I'll take a chance on him because I do think even if he misses a game or two, he'll be back and he'll, he'll be worth that first round pick. As a reminder, when he was suspended for those six games, he still finished as an RB one. Yeah. How? He's so good. He is so good. So even if you miss six games, you still get an RB one, which is crazy. So if he does fall in your drafts, I'm kind of into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Melvin Gordon, I don't know that he can make up that same ground if he missed six-plus games. He misses games a lot. So, like, what if he misses six games and he comes back and then he gets injured? <laughs> like, it's just one of the – I, I don't want to deal with Melvin Gordon. Like I said, if he drops to the six, I'm happy to take a chance on him. But besides that, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to take Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson later in my drafts. Exactly. And I, I do think that – Tony Pollard has made a strong contender. I feel like before now, we weren't really sure who his handcuff would be. I think it's Pollard right now. Well, what's nice is that you don't have to take Pollard until late, like ninth, tenth round, if you want to make sure to get him. He can even go later than that. But if you really want to make sure to get him, draft him in the ninth round. If you have Zeke, take Tony Pollard to, you know, handcuff yourself there. But, or if you don't have Zeke, snipe him from the yeah. Zeke owner. Well, I was saying if to feel more comfortable about taking Zeke, when you take a Melvin Gordon, you have to take an Austin Eckler really early. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can go get Justin Jackson as late as Tony Pollard, but... I still think Eckler definitely has more standalone value, but I totally agree on the Justin Jackson bit. He is way less expensive. Uh, another narrative that we've just sort of totally exhausted, Antonio Brown, Helmet Gate... 2019. Yeah, he's back at practice. That's all I kind of want to say about that. He's back at practice for now. I would sell him if I had him because you might be able to get good value for him right now. But he, all we have to say is he's back at practice for now. We'll see how long that lasts. He uh, was practicing in full, though. He looks pretty healthy um, based on comments of John Gruden. And- but John Gruden kept asking him if he's okay. And it's not like AB was like, yeah. He was like, 
eh. He wasn't really answering. He was hesitant. It's like at work when when my boss asked me, how's everything going? Are you, are you doing okay? Are you happy? And, and I'm like, in work and I'm like eh, I, I, I don't say I'm okay. I'm just like, eh, it's, it's fine. You know, you're kind Read of dying inside. Yeah, that's how I felt. I do think AB will push through it. He's a very tough guy. I mean, I think when he wants to be on the field, there's nobody better. And I think that he would he would push through really any amount of pain. So. Um, he does have an appeal for his helmet case on Friday. We'll see how that goes. Um, Ronald Jones dealing with some swelling in his knee. Uh, somebody was circulating a nasty little photo of a hyperextension. So does this make you feel more comfortable about Peyton Barber in the role, or are you still hands-off Peyton Barber? I'm hands-off Peyton Barber. He's a starting running back. But I, I don't think this is a long-term injury for Ronald Jones. And no, I'm not excited for Ronald Jones, but I think they give him a chance. When you look at last year, Peyton Barber had 234 carries and 3.7 yards per attempt. Like, terrible. And then also the targets he did get and the receptions he had, only 4.6 yards per reception. That is so That's low. Abysmal. That is rushing yard. That's the amount of rushing yards he's supposed to have per carry. Not <laughs> receiving yards per reception. Yeah, you'd hope for closer to seven or eight. Yeah, and I think that could be a main reason why the team struggled last year. I mean, there were so many reasons. Coaching, you know, defense. turnovers, defense, offensive line. There's a lot of reasons why that team struggled, but Peyton Barber was not good, and he was also a contributing factor to that team struggling to move the ball, to keep the ball, the time of possession, keep all the of drive that stuff. Rolling, yeah. So I'm no, I'm not excited about Peyton Barber. Even if he touches the ball 20 times in a game, what's that really going to give you? Like, I, I'm just, I'm not drafting Peyton Barber because we know what he is. We saw him with massive carry volume. If and you could see one running back traded to Tampa Bay, would it still be Lashawn McCoy? Yes, or Melvin Gordon. I hope they do. But Bruce Arians has been a record saying he wouldn't pay for a running back. So uh, if I had to bet on one, it would be LaShawn McCoy. All right. Uh, Carlos Hyde left off of roster projections once again. He's on the bubble, baby. But you know what? Darwin Thompson hype train is coming into town. Are you aboard, Michelle? I am aboard the Darwin Thompson hype train, but also with Carlos Hyde, we have to remember it's the athletic giving these roster projections. It's not the team saying anything about Carlos Hyde maybe getting cut. So we, we need to just take this with a grain of salt. At the same time, we, we did see him fall down the depth chart. We just got an alert, alert saying Darwin Thompson passed Carlos Hyde on the depth chart. Not a good sign. And I have been calling Carlos Hyde's name all offseason, mostly because I just don't believe in Damian Williams. I believe someone's going to take over his job throughout the season at some point. I figured the easiest one to pick from that group would be Carlos Hyde. If he doesn't make the team, then obviously that won't happen. Darwin Thompson looks really good in the preseason. It's preseason. We'll we'll see what happens. But does this mean my boy Darrell Williams is going to make the team? Ooh, yeah. So, do you think they possibly will keep four, or <sighs> I, or it's either they they cut Carlos Hyde and keep Darrell Williams, or they cut Darrell Williams and cut Carlos Hyde, or they keep all four? I think they'd probably like they know what Carlos Hyde is, right? They've seen Carlos Hyde in the league. I guess they know what Daryl Williams is probably too, but I, I don't know. I, I'm inclined to say Daryl Williams just because I think there are more question marks there and there might be more upside there. Okay, okay. 
I I've been also hyping for Carlos Hyde all off season, but it, again, it was more the fact that I didn't trust Damian Williams, and mm-hmm. I thought the pathway was easiest for Carlos Hyde. The way to keep your hype up for Damian Williams is to not touch the ball because that's what he did last preseason game. Yeah. He he was in the game for a whole drive. He just didn't touch the ball once. He there was no carries, one target to him, but it, it didn't get to him. So, yeah, not touching the ball means you can only still look good, right? Yeah, that that does help <laughs> help you look good. That what's scary to me if I'm a Damian Williams owner is that he plays Jacksonville the first week. That that's scary that that defense could smother him and they might try someone else out. But yeah. this is just me pulling from you haterator. Yeah. Don't let the Damian Williams truthers hear you, <laughs> Michelle. I've been on the receiving end of that. Um, whatever you do, don't tell people that Carlos Hyde started preseason game one because you'll be. Oh, yeah. Even if it's the truth. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Twitter. We love you. Um Bears coach Nagy admitted that he probably gave Tariq Cohen a little bit too much work last season. Did you call him Nagy? Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy? Am I saying it wrong all this time? Huh. I don't know. I guess I have a Matt cousin Nagy. named Nagy. Nagy. I guess it could be oh Nagy. Oh, my goodness. Nagy, Nagy. Help. <laughs> I've been saying Nagy. Nagy. Wait, now I don't know what I've been saying. I say Nagy. What one did you say? Nagy? So I say Matt Nagy. Huh. huh. All right. Okay. Well, we'll holler it out at us, guys. You, We're you apparently some... really bad at pronouncing coaches' last names. Yeah. So maybe if anybody has like a general tutorial, send us your send us your best work here. Um, so he admitted he probably gave Tariq Cohen a little bit too much work last season. Interesting. Yeah. They, they've reported that they are, quote unquote, in love with David Montgomery. In love. That is a very strong word. Especially for a rookie. Normally teams like to play it cool with rookies. Say they have to earn their time. I'm surprised. I, I mean, he. when we look at Cohen, he only touched the ball 170 times. As a running back, that's not that much. Like No, especially considering the, the percentage of that, which was passing volume. Yeah. He only had 99 carries. You wouldn't think that'd be too much. Uh, He is a smaller guy. I haven't been high in Tariq Cohen at all this summer because I do expect Montgomery to be a much better pass, pass running back option than Jordan Howard was. And we saw they wanted Howard to be that so bad last year. I, I think they'll use David Montgomery in that way. And it will eat into Tariq Cohen's a carries and now targets as well. He might have some time in the slot, which would be good for him. But I, I, I think more than anybody, Mitch Trubisky would benefit from him being there. Less so, he would benefit from a fantasy standpoint. So he's falling a little bit in my rankings. David Montgomery's moving up and up and up that ADP. Moving on up. So where, where are you taking him? Oh, David Montgomery. I, he's starting to go in the third. He is starting to go in the third. Do you feel okay with that? Would you take him? This is kind of reminding me of the Royce Freeman right at the end last year. Remember last draft season, everyone got really excited for Royce Freeman and Carrion Johnson, and they were moving on up. I'm going to be honest. I'm probably not going to own a lot of David Montgomery because I do tend to be more risk averse in the first three rounds. And it is for reasons like Royce Freeman and carry on Johnson last year, they popped up into those early rounds and guess what? They, even if they were still talented running backs, they didn't pay off from a fantasy standpoint. And 
He's one of the guys I think I'm okay missing out on just because they do have so many offensive weapons. So I really want David Montgomery. He's I do go- too. He- if he fell in the fourth, he's yes. He's going in the back of the third. If I, if I went two wide receivers or if I feel like I want a running back here, I'm just not really liking anything. The running backs going around him is Melvin, are Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, Marlon Mack, Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram. I'm okay taking David Montgomery off over all those people. I really am. So I could definitely take him. It's just the wide receivers I really like right there. Like the wide receivers going around him are T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, Brandon Cooks. Like safe options and high upside options. You've got a really good... There's a lot of really good wide receivers going in the fourth round. I love them. If I want two wide receivers... You know, first and second round, I would definitely consider David Montgomery there if I if I was looking for a, a like a running back that could be top twelve, and I think that is David Montgomery. Yeah, I think that's actually a, a pretty fair way to look at it. I think he's got probably the best chance of any rookie running back to finish in the top twelve. DK Metcalf, my love, my boy, he's having knee surgery. Yeah, that's he awesome. had knee surgery. Um, per Pete Carroll, he said it didn't look that bad. Um, there wasn't a ton of structural damage there. It was sort of like a cleanup procedure. So they're saying he's week to week now. He might whis- miss like the first couple of weeks. He might whiss. <laughs> he might whiss the first couple of weeks. Uh, I I still really like DK Metcalf as my candidate for top offensive rookie for fantasy football. From uh, wide receiver, sorry. Rookie wide receiver. I'm I'm not saying that he's going to outscore David Montgomery by any means. I still think he's going to come back and dominate snaps. He's going to be across from Tyler Lockett. I really like him. I Help me. Talk me out of DK Metcalf. I really like DK Metcalf for, you know, the bombs and the touchdowns. Like, But those are risky. You can never count on those. This knee surgery, I do, I don't see how he plays week one. I, I get it could be a very small knee surgery. They just are cleaning it up, but you're still going under the knife. Like, yeah, how? I think Carol's probably downplaying. Yeah. Carol does that. He, he does has the that. rosy glasses. He's he, he did it with Doug Baldwin last year. Yeah, I'm. I would not expect him to play week one. It's never a good thing if rookies need to miss time in the preseason. It's just not. So I expect him to have a very slow start. So no, I would not be drafting him, but he would be someone I'm going to keep a very close eye on once it hits week four, week five, and try to grab him before he has that breakout game and he becomes too expensive on the waivers. He's had a a pretty solid preseason. I would say he's earned some praise from Russell Wilson, which... Hey, if a dude's getting praise from Russell Wilson, I'll take it. Um, one issue we do need to address, Michelle. Yes. Are you ready to talk about it? Do it. Rashad Penny is well behind Chris Carson in their offense. Yep. That report came out uh, right after. This is what Roto World really likes to do. I love Roto World, but there, there is a lot of um, contradicting reports that comes out a lot when we're looking at it. So just earlier in the day, it, w- it said Seahawks running backs coach welcomes comparisons to Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram for the team's backfield. Well, you think that's good, right? Like that seems like a good thing. That means... He, he plans to use Carson and Penny in that similar fashion. And then later on, it says NBC Sports, you know, Joe Fan believes Rashad Penny is falling further behind Chris Carson. So again, this is from a reporter, not with the Seahawks. It's from NBC Sports. 
I'm not saying they're wrong, and I'm definitely starting to get worried about Rashad Penny myself. He has not showed up in the preseason, that's for sure, in the preseason games. Chris Carson has shown up in the preseason games. I, I think we're looking at we need a Carson injury, which is not something I'm ever going to root for, for Penny to be you know great to get that volume. So it'll be interesting. With DK Metcalf hurt, they're going to need somebody to catch the ball in that offense. So I do think they'll use Penny in that way. Chris Carson in the preseason game did not look good catching passes. <laughs> they tried to use him and he couldn't catch it. So but he's going to catch like 55 balls this season. Yeah. I, I don't think Chris Carson's a great pass catching weapon. And I think Rashad Penny can be. That's the difference, and that's why I think Penny will be used. But Chris Carson is going to be the better runner on the ground. I do think that um, he's definitely got room to grow in the offense, though. And if you're looking for an offense with opportunity for the running backs, like you can't just give Chris Carson the ball 400 times. Agree. And they're going to have to run. Even if you like him, you, you still can't, like, with his injury history, you can't rely on him to carry that sort of volume. You're going to have to use a change of pace the way that they use Mike Davis. Literally, if you just hand it over Mike Davis's carries, you get an RB2. Even if it's a low-end RB2, you still get a, a, an RB2. And what's nice is Penny's ADP was rising a lot before the preseason. Now it's so low. So I'm still down to take Rashad Penny because it's going. he's going in the late eighth, ninth round now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to take the chance on him there. I do think he will be involved in the passing game. He could get the goal line work. I don't know. I, I like Rashad Penny still. But, yes, I'm getting worried about him. And, yes, Chris Carson, while on the field, will be great. I did just see a Twitter post debating whether or not Chris Carson might actually be better than James Conner this season. Tell me how you feel about that one. Yeah, right. No. Not even close. No, not we're discussing not considering it. that. Not, you know, not considering it. No. Not worth your time? No. <laughs> I am red. I'm heating up right here. I'm upset. No, she's literally red. <sighs> Guys, help me. Stop with these ridiculous tweets. I'm I just kidding. You could totally be right, but don't hate on my James Conner like that. Come on. Yeah, guys, this is a, Come this on. Is a sensitive matter. Um, you know what isn't a sensitive matter? What? Your fantasy football leagues. It's business, right? True. Fantasy football is a business, and I know you're running how many leagues out there? I think we're in... Too many. Too many. Yep. Uh, if you're in too many leagues and you need some fantasy advice, why not get it from the pros? Go to fantasygo.com. During the season, you're going to be spending a lot of time asking us questions on Twitter, but at fantasygo.com, the only site of its kind, you can literally pick your favorite analyst to help you manage your team. If you're in too many leagues, you're going on vacation on a Caribbean cruise to the Bahamas, can't be bothered to keep up with the news that week, you got a busy week at work, go to fantasygo.com, go to the marketplace, find your favorite analyst, me, obviously. Or me. Don't forget about me. Sure. Or Michelle. Search Kate or Michelle to get the Ball Blast Girls exclusive fantasy advice. Plug in your Yahoo account details Connect us remotely, and we can help manage your teams in 2019. Don't forget to check them out at FantasyGo.com. We have a very special gif, gif, gift 
for all of our listeners today. We want to talk about super flex leagues, which we don't often talk about, right, Michelle? Like we just don't address them. And I think it's because we don't play in them as often. So my special guest for today, we're talking to John Bauer of the Super Flexology podcast. Welcome in, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before you know, we really get going, I want to give you two a big shout out because I don't know if there's anybody on Twitter that markets themselves as well as you two do. Like in all honesty, um, you know, I, I met you guys in one of the leagues, one of the Twitter leagues that we're in, and the way we decided draft order was for Twitter to vote on draft position. And I remember <laughs> Michelle right away. She's like, this is unfair. I have like 150 followers and you, you guys <laughs> have all these followers. Literally a week later, you look and she's like 5,000. I'm like, what? how did this happen? But again, Bull crap. Well, yeah, I remember you guys wanting to do that. I was like, I've been on Twitter for a week. <laughs> it was a little unfair, but you know, it ended up working out because my team is bomb. So wherever I drafted from, it worked out. Yeah. I don't even remember how that ended up shaking out. I remember neither of us were super pumped about our positions, but it did. It worked out. I like my team in that league. I keep logging into that league to make trades, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to screw up a beautiful thing, which is... Watch us both end oh, it. Yeah, uh, it's, place next that's year. the most dangerous way to think. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's been nice to have this journey with you guys because, you know, Superflexology came up at sort of a similar time to us. So it's been a, a cool process to see each other grow. And, um, you know, I, I think we have a lot to learn from each other in this industry. It's it's a really crazy place to be, fantasy football Twitter. It really is. And there's so many opinions and so many ideas out there. And so it, many grump, grumpy people. Uh, yes, that is. We need football. The league need. I mean, the season needs to start because we're all just debating or arguing about the same thing over and over and over and it just needs to start yeah like you know there's people that don't like damian williams and i'm like why no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) or mike williams they don't like any of the williamses and we can't figure out why um i'm on board with the mike williams take though yeah i just don't think there's room i yeah yeah we, Get out of we, here. We We've hammered it. on this <laughs> yeah. for far too long. Everybody, please, please, please give John a follow at the Bauer Club at the B-A-U-E-R Club um, and give the Superflexology podcast a listen. It's John Bauer and Mitch Sorensen at Dino MC. Um, where can we find your show? So we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and then you can find us directly on uh, fulltimefantasy.com. Uh, it's a a great network, a lot of great content. And I think there's 16 or 17 different shows on the network. Um, a lot of great things. It ranges from dynasty redraft, uh, the daily like draft Kings contest. So a lot of great content. If you haven't had a chance, check it out. Let's start off with a very basic question, right? John, tell us what a super flex league is for some of our, our listeners who might be more traditional, like, is anybody still playing in non-PPR formats? No, My right? father, yeah. yeah. My, Besides your father. <laughs> my brother-in-law hosts a redraft league that is uh, non-PPR. And every year I tell him we got to do PPR and he keeps saying no. And I say, you know, it's 2019, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely a, a wave of the future. And I think Superflex is, is definitely taking over. I think it's the preferred format for... Uh, fantasy football Twitter, but for some of the more casual players that might 
you know, leave fantasy behind in the off season, which is unfathomable, but let's pretend those people exist. Tell us what Superflex is um, and, and why you like it. Tell us why you play it. Give me your argument for why we should be switching our leagues over to the Superflex format. Absolutely. So Superflex itself, it's a, I mean, it's a really simple explanation. It's adding one additional flex spot that you can put a quarterback in. So you can do quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Everything else is exactly the same. Um, why we should be playing Superflex now, there's two arguments here. There's one that is pro Superflex and one that's against Superflex. And there, there's two that I really don't like. And again, there's one on each side. So one, pro Superflex. Quarterback is the most important position in football. So it should be treated the same way in fantasy football. And then the counter argument is there's only one quarterback on the field in real football. It should be the same in fantasy. And I think both of those arguments are bogus. And you can kind of throw the same thing at them and say, okay, well, if we're going to relate to real football, why are we not drafting offensive linemen? You know, you're not going to have a, a valuable quarterback without, without an offensive line. So let's start throwing them in the mix too. The reason I like Superflex, and it, does, it has nothing to do with pointing to real football at all, um, it adds increased variance in value. So if you look at a one-quarterback league, you can pretty much say, now there's going to be some variance, you know, maybe people are going to go running back heavier, wide receiver heavy to start, but you're going to see the same guys go typically, you know, first two rounds, you know, you have a good idea who that's, who that's going to be. Once you start adding quarterbacks into the mix, you really have no idea where they're going to go in relation to those position players. So one league, you might have three quarterbacks go in the first round, whether it's dynasty or redraft and one, you might just see one. So it's just so much variance and so many different values and opinions on the, the quarterback position itself. Whereas in a one quarterback league, oh, I'm going to wait until the 10th round and still get a really good quarterback. You can't do that in super flex. And it really just makes you think a little bit more. And I think you have to strategize a little bit more going into your drafts. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. Like, for instance, in the Scott Fishbowl, um, we all tried to sort of, you know, calculate ADP. There were a lot of people compiling that data in mock drafts. It was all entirely useless. Like I know in my league, there was more of a run on quarterbacks. Michelle, that run never happened for you. So it was no. like you took Deshaun Watson in what, the second round? Yep. And the run never happened. And then I think I took Cam in the late fourth or early fifth thinking, you know, the run has to happen now. Let me go grab Cam. And it just never happened again. Ugh. It was very spread out, um, which I think kind of hurt my team a little bit because I could have grabbed a Chubb or a Connor in the second round and been happy with a later round quarterback instead of Watson. So that kind of upset me. I do think you're right, though. I think it, it definitely adds another element because you really do have to think about how you're valuing players, whether, you know, regardless of position, it really makes you look at sort of the point value and not necessarily um, where you want to draft them or ADP. I think you just have to think a little bit beyond the ADP factor. Um, I, I need to probably dabble more in Superflex. We're in a few leagues, but uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm committed. So I, I definitely understand the strategy and wanting to challenge yourself a little bit more. Yeah, the first year, so I started playing Superflex three years ago, and it was a home dynasty league. Me and a bunch of friends, we got together, and we had kind of a role summit. And one of the things that somebody brought up was a Superflex spot. I was the first one. I 
I was ready to flip the table. I said, absolutely not. I have no interest in doing this. It's stupid. You know, I wasn't familiar with it. So I, obviously I was, I, you know, was resistant to that idea. But once we started playing, like I was hooked right from the start. So it definitely takes a little bit getting used to, but I mean, honestly, the league that I'm in with you two, that is the only one quarterback league I'm in other than redraft. Honored. <laughs> Honored. Now tell us, do you have a preference? So there is super flex, which obviously, um, you know, you, as you explained, you can flex in a, a quarterback or you can use that spot for a wide receiver, tight end, running back. It, there are just flat out two quarterback leagues. Do you have a preference between the two? I'll do either. And I, I treat them somewhat similarly, you know, um, and there's even a few leagues that I'm in where it's a little more open. Now they're smaller. It's a 10 team league but you can start up to three quarterbacks. So it's a two quarterback league and a super flex spot, but I'm not picky super flex, two quarterback, whatever. I'll do it all. All right. I love it. Can we talk some strategy? Cause if our listeners are going to start playing super flex leagues because of you, John, because of you, you're going to be solely responsible for this change. We need to tell them and give them some guidance about how to do it, right? So when you're going into a super flex draft or a super flex mock, how do you change your mindset going into these drafts rather, you know, as opposed to a one quarterback league? What changes as far as your thought process, who you're targeting? Um, do you have a preference like late or early round quarterback? How do you like to do it? So Michelle, you hit the nail on the head whenever you said that in the Scott Fishbowl 9, you took the quarterbacks early and that run never hit. So you took, you said Watson and Cam early. That is always in the back of your mind in super flex drafts. Now, one thing that I love to do, and you can't do this in redraft, but in Dynasty, when you're able to trade in the snake drafts, I love to trade back. So I typically always trade out of the first and second round. And the reason for that, in super flex especially, if you're able to get additional third and fourth round picks, even fifth round picks in, let's say, a 12-team league, you're never going to be on the wrong side of that run. So yes, you're not getting those top tier players in the first or second round, but you're always in position to see, okay, it's the third round. Only four quarterbacks have been taken. I can take a wide receiver running back here, but now since I have additional third and fourth round draft capital, I'm able to wait. Whereas in, as an experiment in one league, I did this, I moved out of the third and fourth. I got an additional first and second round pick. So I was loaded. I actually took two quarterbacks early in that league. Again, it was dynasty. I took uh, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, and then I took Mike Evans and oh. another wide receiver. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. That's pretty. So was, That's a really pretty, pretty exactly. draft. Exactly. At the time, it looked fantastic. But then, like, like Michelle said, with, with Scott Fishbowl 9, with her draft, the run never hit. Kirk Cousins was taken in the ninth round in that draft. And I, oh. I, I took Luck and Watson in the first and second round. I was livid. So long story short, in Dynasty, if I'm able to, in a snake draft, I'm looking to acquire those extra picks in the third through fifth round to stay ahead of those runs. So that's one strategy that I love to take. In a redraft league now. So that's Dynasty. In a redraft league, how many quarterbacks do you typically roster? So say... Um, you know, say you you're playing in a super flex league. Do you try to leave the draft with at least two or three just to like cover yourself for bye weeks, or do you try to play? Because it's a lot harder to play the waiver wire when you're you're all trying to roster more than one quarterback. Absolutely. So one thing that drives me crazy whenever I see people 
especially Twitter polls, because you, you, you throw a poll up and you, you, you include a quarterback in there and you say it's super flex. And somebody always says, oh, you know, I would go this direction because I think I can stream quarterbacks. You can't stream quarterbacks in super flex. You're pretty much seeing 36 to 40 rostered, um, even a redraft, really. You know, maybe maybe a few less in, in redraft compared to Dynasty. But in redraft, assuming a 12-team league, I don't want to leave with less than three. Now, I will say in Scott Fishbowl 9, I made the exception. I took Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, and I didn't get another quarterback. Now, there were a few reasons for that because the 11 starters and the other position players, their value was bumped up because of the crazy scoring. But in a typical 12-team super flex league, I don't want to have less than three. All right. Give me your biggest mistake that our new our new Superflex players might make heading into their drafts this season. What do you want to not see them do? You cannot fade quarterback. Now, are, are we saying a redraft here? Yes. We'll go redraft, yeah. Um, yeah, still don't fade quarterback. So a lot of people, they think, I can wait on quarterback. I'm going to load up on the talent at the front end of the draft, and I'm going to take a guy like, you know, Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco, and they're going to get me through the season. I'll be just fine. There were 12, I think it was 12 quarterbacks last year that were starters. For one reason or another, they missed at least, I think, three or four games. So I you don't necessarily have to load up on quarterback early in redraft. And actually, I'm okay waiting to that 12 to 20 range somewhere in there. But don't wait, you know, longer than that. Um, at least lock down your first quarterback before times get really tough. And you, you don't want to go into your season with Joe Flacco as your quarterback one. Yes. And I've seen, you know, I've seen Andy Dalton or Marcus Mariota go so early in a super flex. And at that point, I think people are overcompensating for that super flex spot. I saw Andy Dalton once get taken before Nick Chubb because quarterbacks ran off the board so fast. But at that point, I think you have to take the better value in Chubb because if you played him in that super flex spot, Chubb is most likely going to outscore an Andy Dalton on a given week or a Mariota just because it's a quarterback. I mean, they do sometimes score less than 10 points and Chubb, you're expecting more than that. So I think people need to, I do think people need to focus on the the quarterbacks early, but then don't freak out and take those very low end quarterbacks too early just because you think you need more quarterbacks. Yeah, Michelle, that's exactly right. And th- there's definitely a point and there's a line in the sand that you want to draw. And, you know, I-, I think it's really beneficial going into a draft, especially if it's your first super flex draft, kind of, kind of give tier rankings and say, all right, these are the top five guys that I want to go after. Um, they're at the top of my board. Now, if I can't land one of them, these are the next five. But, you know, once you get to a certain point, um, you know, you're you're going to avoid some quarterbacks towards them. Like, I, I love Superflex. I love the quarterback in the Superflex spot, es- especially if it's a 12-team league. I'm not taking Andy Dalton over Nick Chubb. There is no way. Um you know, but once that quarter at that point, I think you need to ask yourself: Is what I'm doing ridiculous? <laughs> or, or it, to bring to the uh, bring the office to the table, I ask myself: Would an idiot do that? <laughs> and if they would, I would not do that thing. <laughs> and I think you have your answer there. The answer is: You draft Nick Chubb. I love the office like every day of the week. I love it. Um, on one of Thank our you. recent episodes, uh, we had, we had a guest on, and I said. Explain explain this to me like I'm five. You know, another Michael Scott reference. And it's, <laughs> literally, I think every show you could drop in at least one office line, and it would be extremely relevant. Oh, absolutely! I use those gifts more. Like I use office gifts more than anything. 
Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine my fantasy football Twitter being nearly as successful as it's been <laughs> if I didn't use the office gifts. Do you know how many messages I get that just say, I appreciate the office quote in your bio? Like that's, I think that's the only reason I have some followers, which is fine by me <laughs> other than the, the bomb content. But you know, that's second. And Kate, I love the, um, uh, the boom roasted kind of series that you did. You know, you, you dropped a line for a certain team and I, it was just boom roasted. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny about that? So, like, I had been working on that in my brain. I hate working out. So every time I went to work out, my goal was, like, to distract myself. I would come up with one more boom roasted. And finally, after enough workouts, I put them all together in a, in a thread. So, actually, I should retweet that. that. Yeah, you should. If people haven't read it, Kate's going to retweet it tonight <laughs> so you can go find it. Yeah. All right, John. So for 2019... Well, let's talk quarterbacks for a second here. Who is a quarterback in the later rounds that you can pick? Even in Superflex, the later round might be sixth, seventh, eighth round um, for a quarterback. But who has the most upside to be a top, you know, five quarterback on the season? Uh, top five. So how far, where do you want to draw the line here? Like quarterback 20-ish? Yeah, that, that works. Then I I have to go, and, and uh, Michelle, I think you're going to appreciate this one. I have to go with Josh Allen. Yeah, you do. Um, I, I think if you're looking for pure upside, he he sh- he showed last year that he can do it. What was it week twelve to seventeen? He was the quarterback one, not a quarterback one, the quarterback one. And yeah, he we want him to work on his consistency week to week, right? And I, I think by adding the weapons they did, nothing flashy, but a John Brown type player that they added, he's an additional deep threat. And yeah, it's a little redundant with Robert Foster already there, but it's a deep threat. Who you have a guy that can launch the ball, even if he goes three catches, you know, ninety yards and a touchdown. That you know, that's a valuable asset to add to somebody like Josh Allen. And then you add a Cole Beasley who can run the underneath routes. Um, you know, and just the rushing ability. Everybody wants to say Josh Allen is not going to repeat what he did last year in terms of rushing, but in the same breath they say, oh, but Lamar Jackson can. Lamar Jackson's runs are planned. You know, they are, they're scripted runs. Josh Allen, he scrambles, he creates that on his own. Now, maybe that decreases a little bit once he gets a little more comfortable and it's not looking at the first option. It's not there. Okay, I'm going to run. But I think his rushing, uh, what he's able to do with his legs is a little more sustainable than maybe like a Lamar Jackson. So if we're looking for pure upside, that can be a top five quarterback that late. I'm going to go Josh Allen. Totally with you there. So now the opposite, uh, top five quarterback getting taken, who could be a bust? Uh, now, I don't want to say he's a bust because I love him, especially for Dynasty. I, I, I just think he plays with such a chip on his shoulder. But Baker Mayfield, I'm going to tell you why. He's going at quarterback five in redraft this year, and I think he's going to have a really good year. But I think he might finish quarterback 10 to 12 range. And you're just not getting the return on the investment that you would like to see if you're taking him quarterback five, especially when you can get somebody quarterback 15 or so that might be within one or two points per game from him. So that's a guy, again, I think Baker's going to have a fantastic season, but just somebody I'm not comfortable taking quarterback five. And then one other guy I want to throw in there, Drew Brees at quarterback seven. I think that is absolutely insane. So you look at somebody like Kirk Cousins, who I mentioned earlier, and he goes right around quarterback 2021. 
he's going to outscore Drew Brees this year. There's no doubt in my mind. You can think that the Vikings are going to run the ball a million times a game this year, but Drew Brees, he has fizzled out the last two seasons. They're getting more towards a, a run first approach. And I just don't see him returning, uh, not even quarterback seven, but I, I don't think he's going to be a top 15 quarterback this year. So, uh, oh, it, we so agree on that. I, and I feel like people aren't concerned enough from a fantasy football perspective based on, I mean, we saw such a significant drop off. And I think the, the sort of red herring, if you will, is the fact that Drew Brees was so hyper efficient, right? Like he, was scoring touchdowns in a, at an absurd rate. He, um, you know, had a, a very high completion percentage. Uh, but when we look at his passing attempts, when we look at his career averages, do we really expect him to continue to defy those career averages and in, in efficiency metrics? Uh, when he is, he's another year older. They they continue to tilt towards the run and the defense and. I just I can't buy into it. If I'm if I'm looking at his career averages and I sort of copy and paste those into um you know the number of times he actually threw the ball last year, we wouldn't we wouldn't have seen him be so efficient. And one thing I want to mention with Drew Brees too and um next week we're having Bob Lund on the show on on Superflexology and he's the creator of the consistency guide. And one of the things that he mentions, he has an X consistency rating. And basically, it's consistency stretched out over the actual games that a player played. And everybody thinks Drew Brees is this consistent, really solid guy that you can rely on week to week. According to Bob Lung's ex-consistency, he was ranked 15th. All right, John, I want to play a game with you. You have to pick one. So I'm going to name some later round quarterbacks, right? Um, this is two quarterback ADP that I'm going to give you, but all three of these guys, I'm going to give you three sets of three guys. I want you to tell me who you want in this set. Why? And are you willing to pay that price for him? So first off, we got Mitch Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, all three guys who like to run the ball going in the, the sixth to seventh round in two quarterback leagues. Go. I really like that. How they're all lumped together. It, it works out really well. They're all running quarterbacks. Now, I'm going to take Josh Allen, and I, I think anybody listening, they, they probably knew that already. But um, I think he offers the most upside. Now, actually, Lamar Jackson has been growing on me a little bit, but I'm going Josh Allen strictly because of the upside, and I think they're adding weapons around him, like I said. And I think he's going just a little bit later. So even if it's a half a round later, I'm going to take that little little edge right there. So I'm going to take Josh Allen. Interestingly enough, what I was going to say um, or what had occurred to me before uh, when you brought up Josh Allen, I think the interesting thing about Josh Allen is that there are a lot of complaints about, like you said, you know, he, he wasn't scripted runs, right? There were scrambles. He wasn't, he wasn't planning to run the ball, but, you know, maybe he couldn't get through the read or um, what, you know, the offensive line was collapsing and he just, he just took off with the ball. But um, I think you know, if you don't believe that he's going to continue to scramble, I think you have to be under the impression that he's going to be a better passer this year. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like you have to give credit to to sort of one or the other idea there, because um, I don't. He's not just going to take the sack. I think either he's going to get through the reads, or 
I, clearly we saw his natural instinct is to to run with the ball. And one thing um, – oh, sorry to interrupt, Kate. Um, no, go ahead. One thing, too, that I really like for this season, and it's really tough to look at this, but if you look at – and this is available on Sharp Football Stats. If you look at their strength of schedule in terms of the rushing defensive efficiency that they're facing – the Bills actually have the easiest schedule. Now, obviously, that plays in the hands of the running backs, but that's going to help out a scrambling quarterback as well. So I like that additional upside. And yeah, everybody wants to say, especially Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, they're not good quarterbacks. They can't throw the ball. But you have to think that they, like you said, Kate, that Josh Allen is going to improve at least a little bit. Let's give him a little credit. I do. I think Cole Beasley is a very underrated asset there. And I think that... That was probably uh, between him and John Brown. They had one of the best free agency acquisitions. They didn't sign any studs. They didn't trade for OBJ. They didn't get Antonio Brown. Probably uh, now they're they're thanking the high heavens that they did not, um, despite those rumors. But it, they had these two really under the radar, um, you know, like not major contracts that they're going to take a giant ding to your cap. But these guys, I think, are really going to help Josh Allen develop as an NFL quarterback, which that's really all you can ask for when it comes to, um, you know, what you want to to acquire in free agency. So I love that pick. Um, and you're probably right. For, for the record, folks, I did not pick these three quarterbacks before John picked Josh <laughs> Allen. That was not a thing. I did not know that was happening. All right. Next up, we're going to go Ben, Rivers, or Dak. All going in the fifth round. Go. So if we're talking strictly redraft and where they're currently going, I'm going to take Ben. And I, this is not a homer pick by any means. Homer, if, for sure. If anything, I am an anti-homer. Me too. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why I want Ben. I. It's all about upside at that point. You're not going to have Ben – most likely is your quarterback one. I want the guy that is going to throw the ball at least 600 times. And that's almost guaranteed with, with Ben. And, you know, I, I don't see it with, with Dak. I, I think they're, I think he was very efficient with Amari Cooper, you know, and then incorporating Zeke in the passing game. Now, one thing that I want to point out, um, the whole thing with Amari Cooper and that uh, plantar fasciitis, the, the flare up or whatever, that's a very painful thing. And I think that's something that everybody needs to pay attention to during the season. And that's going to have a direct impact on Dak. So if Amari Cooper misses games or if he isn't full strength whenever he's in, that's going to negatively impact him. And for Rivers, I think he's a really safe pick. But in redraft, especially if it's my second quarterback, give me the upside. I think Rivers, I, I see no reason that he can't be in that 12 to 15 range. But give me Ben, who could be. And we saw it last year, what quarterback three. So give me the upside with Ben. I, I do like that pick. And I think it definitely is team dependent. So um, I'm just not a big, big Rivers fan. I, th I like him better for the NFL than I like him for fantasy, even though that's not a hot take. Um, we just kind of know what he is. Dak, I think he's he's a very safe, safe pick because of his rushing floor. So if you've got sort of one of those um, a higher upside, but maybe riskier first QBs and you're drafting Dak as your second quarterback with a, a safe floor. I like that a lot, but I mean, Ben is, is definitely the the choice if you want to shoot for the moon. I think one thing that's really interesting about Ben, I, I projected his points per drop back 
um, you know, sort of over the last few seasons. And they actually, there wasn't a huge difference in points per drop back. And there wasn't even a huge difference as far as uh, drop backs per game necessarily. The biggest difference for Ben last season was that he played 16 games and he hasn't done that very often in his career. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't actually a huge statistical outlier as much as it was, uh, you know, it, uh, from a, a drop back perspective, it was more so the the difference of him actually staying healthy, which I, I hope he does it again. Um, and we also saw a, a big flip in his script from, you know, that big, scary home road split Big Ben to the the fact that Ben was actually more efficient on the road than he was at home last season, which was absolutely crazy. Right. And looking at that prior to last year, if you're in a one quarterback league and you had Ben as your, your first option, you could always look and say, all right, they're on the road this week. I need to find somebody to stream because I know this could get ugly. Yeah. And I do want to say with the group of three that you threw out there, Ben Rivers and Dak, I won't, I'm not going to be upset, let's say, if Ben goes and then Rivers goes. I'm not going to be terribly upset if I have Dak as my quarterback, too, in a redraft league. And same with Rivers. But like you said, pick one. that I, I gave the edge to Ben, but I'm not going to be terribly, terribly upset with the other two. All right. Are you ready to dumpster dive? I, let's go. <laughs> all right. Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and Marcus Mariota all going in the 10th round. I'm assuming this is your third quarterback, right? If one of these three guys is my second quarterback in redraft, I'm going to be very upset. Um, All right. So let's pretend they're your third so you're not too too dissatisfied, right? So this is going to be a guy, presumably, if your, your first two quarterbacks stay healthy, these are going to be guys that you flex in maybe on a bye week um, or, like I said, God, God willing, they don't get injured, but they might. You might need to use these guys down the road. Who are you picking? So right away, I am throwing away Marcus Mariota. So I'm going to leave him in the dumpster. Um, I, You know, you hear stories <laughs> and he's such a fantastic person, but I always say that doesn't get me fantasy points. So unfortunately, Marcus, you're out. You know, it, it, you know what I think is interesting? That seems to be a narrative with bad quarterbacks, right? Like we don't want to talk about their passing, so somehow we always get into the narrative like Blake Bortles, I think Walter Payton, man of the year. Holy moly. Um, he was he was their nominee. <laughs> and you know why? Like they, they wrote up this huge thing about how he does like football camps. And I was like, but, but we don't hear about him being quarterback <laughs> like they they spin the narrative that way. So I I do think the more there, there's a narrative that you're just like this outstanding guy and we don't hear as much about football, there's generally a reason. Exactly. We don't want to hear over and over again how somebody's a nice guy. I want to hear what they're doing, you know, hear about what they're doing in the football. Field. Yeah. I'd rather you be like a jerk like Aaron Rodgers, but you know how to sling the ball, right? <laughs> exactly. I will take that. So with, with Mariota you know, tossed to the side, this is a tough one for me. So I really like Nick Foles this year. And I like that offense overall. I've actually bought in a little bit to Leonard Fournette. We know that Nick Foles likes to use the running backs. I think he was on pace for like 130 running back targets last year. And he's come out and said, I like to throw the ball to my running back. So I think he has that safety valve in Fournette. I like D.D. Westbrook. I like some of the weapons around him. And you have John D. Filippo there who literally got fired last year because he wanted to throw the ball too much in Minnesota. So I think that... I like Nick Foles. 
I, I think he's a safe option. I can't see him finishing above, let's say, a ceiling's quarterback 20. I think Dalton has a higher ceiling, but oh my. Does AJ Green like affect that Andy Dalton pick at all for it you? It does. It absolutely does. And if, if you have a healthy AJ Green, you have Tyler Boyd. I'm a big Joe Mixon fan when it comes to football, at least. Um, the offensive line, they, they try to improve it. The uh, injuries plague them a little bit. But yeah, the AJ Green thing, it really, it, it, it's in the back of my mind when, when I saw these, these guys. Uh, give me Nick Foles, but I think you can tell in my voice I'm not thrilled about it. But as my quarterback three, yeah, I'll take Nick Foles. Yeah, quarterback three. I'm I'm not trying to put you in a difficult <laughs> spot here. I do I do like Nick Foles. I think you're right. I I think the fact that they brought him him in and he did have more of that that pass heavy scheme going on. I think it tells you that. Uh, it sends a message, right? Like it's not going to be a Blake Bortles offense where we saw him so significantly limited by the play calling. Um, You know, they, they weren't really able to open up that playbook to him because he wasn't, he wasn't a a great NFL passer. And that's, you know, that's sort of where he's at. Um, We're going to close up the show now, but why don't you tell everybody once again, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your podcast Uh, on Twitter at the Bauer club. And we're also, the show is on Twitter at Superflexology. Again, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and directly on the full-time fantasy website. Now, while it is Superflexology and we love to talk about quarterbacks, we're talking about everything. So all the positions, not just Dynasty, we also talk about the short-term implications. So obviously, you know, we're, we're throwing in a redraft, but, you know, we definitely favor the Superflex format. It's a, it's a truly is a passion of mine, but we are talking about all aspects of fantasy football, but yeah. So check us out. Absolutely. You're, you guys are one of my favorite podcasts right now, which says a lot from the fact that, you know, you, we both sort of started up at this at the same time. It's kind of, it's exciting to see one another grow. We're really excited to have you on. And we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.